2: God is never early, but God's never late. He's an on-time God. I've asked myself these questions over the years. Why did they have to walk around the city of Jericho seven times? Why couldn't have God just done it the first time? And then we ask, why did God have to delay and get Martha all upset and, you know, all bent out of shape, or Mary actually all bent out of shape? Because, because if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And then we ask ourselves the question, why did Joseph have to suffer actually for 13 years? And then he got out of prison. He went from the pit to the palace, but it was still another 10 and a half years before he actually saw the fulfillment of the prophetic word. And then you look at Abraham, people say, Well, why did it take so long for his son? We understand that there were some issues that came up, which we're going to talk about. And why did Job have to go through losing almost everything and that the period of time was actually nine months? Well, I want to just tell you something. The Bible says, having done all to stand, stand. And the Bible says, take unto you the full armor of God. Why? So that you can stand in the evil day. The evil day is a strategic planning of the kingdom of darkness, a trap that is set up to take you out in your life. And how many know the apostle Peter went through that there? And in his epistles, he encourages you and I Through that there because it was a learning curve. But these are the questions that I want to ask you this morning. I want to ask you, is there anybody here that seems like uh, God waits to the last minute for it to come through? Is there anybody here that seems like God doesn't seem like he's in a hurry? God doesn't seem like he's stressing anyway? And how many have ever felt like saying, God, why is this taking so long? How about why are things not changing? Why is there such a war? Every time I make a decision maybe to do what is right, it just seems like all hell breaks loose. God, what is going on out there? or how about this here? I want to know why, God, I want to know why, and I want to know today why. <laughs> Anybody ever been there before? And let me just ask you a question. Have you ever wondered why the righteous are tested? Have you ever wondered why? Peter, it says that Satan hath desired to sift him as we. The Sicilian version says, take him out at the knees. How many have ever said something, i never do that? How many ever said, I'll never do that? I'll never go like that. I'll never be like my dad. I'll never be like my mom. I'll never be like that. I'll never get addicted. I'll never. Come on. And then you ended up doing the thing you said you'd never do. Come on, wave your hand for just a moment. Well, I've learned... This is what Peter said. Matthew chapter 26. Is everybody over there? And look what he says. He said over there, this is on the Mount of Olives. He says, on the way, Jesus told them, tonight all of you will desert me, for the scripture says God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. But Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, saying this to Jesus, I will never, come on, Deserts you now. How many know in his mind he had all the good intentions? How many know in his mind he really believed that with everything in him? So we see something about the test of life. It doesn't reveal what's in our minds, but it reveals what's in our hearts. Thank you. Amen. Jesus replied, and this was his answer: "I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night." In other words, Peter. Tonight, not tomorrow, this very night, before the rooster crows coming up in the morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. Is that what it says? And look what Peter says in in, in 35. No, Peter insisted, even if I have to die with you, I'll never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. So it wasn't just Peter, it was the other ten. Can can you all say? And they all said the same thing. And then then look what Jesus says over there to all them. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and he said. Now, if you go to verse number 74 of the same chapter, Matthew 26, 74, it says, Then he began. This is Peter. Okay? The first denial came. The second denial came. And now the third denial comes. How many times did Jesus say, You're going to deny me? Three times. Then it says, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. Verse 74 says, then he began to curse and he began to swear, saying, I do not know the man. And immediately a rooster crowed. The Message Bible says, then he got really nervous and swore, I don't know. This is the apostle Peter. I wonder how many of us in this room have been 100% perfect since we gave our lives to Christ. I wonder how many of us have had a moment inside of our lives where we said something that we wish we didn't say. And even more so than that, we thought something that we shouldn't have thought. I mean, if mine was to be up there, I can remember it's at times over my life saying, God, just take them out at the knees. Can you say Amen. God, I wish I could just punch their lights out right now. I know I can't. But I, how many of ever, come on now. And, and how many know it's okay to have the thought, but it's not okay to park there? Because you park there, you're going to be in big trouble, amen? And that's what we're going to talk about today. Go ahead. You know, when we talk about
0: divine delays, and that's what we're talking about, when you're praying and you're believing and expecting something to happen, and it just seems like it's not happening. And sometimes days, months, years even go by, and you're not seeing the answer to your prayer. And you know, what we have to understand, there is a purpose in that. God just doesn't do things to bug us. You know, he's not just doing stuff or allowing things to happen because, you know, he wants to torture us or torment us. He has a purpose in every single thing he does. And the number one thing that God wants to do when we are in a divine delay is that is is to reveal to us what's in our heart. And to develop patience in us. Why is it so important to develop patience? I'm glad you asked. Because I know you all want to have patience. But, you know, there's so many benefits to patience. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that after. But we need patience. It's not something that is really an option. We need patience. Number one reason is because God is a patient God. If God was not a patient God, you would not be here right now. He would have wiped you off the the face of the earth. He has absolute patience with us. And he is long-suffering. And he is merciful. And we are made in his image. And his purpose and goal for our lives is to transform us to be like him. So patience is part of that process. Now, what happens when there's a divine delay? You know, it reveals what's on the inside of us. And, and I'm sure we can all relate to those little divine delays that we go through. And maybe they're not even divine. They're just delays. And um, like, for example... You know, what, how do you act when you're stuck in traffic? What comes out of you? I want to tell you a quick story. This happened to us a few years ago. We were going across the border. And, uh, you know, we were going in the line at the customs, and we always have this thing about, you know, trying to pick the right line, and, um, you know, and it never, you know, sometimes it never fails. You, you think you're going in the fast lane, and then it stops. Well, this one particular time, we were in line, and we got to the, we got to, the, we were the next one to go up, and then that arm thing goes down. And which, you know, you're not too happy. And we knew right away when that happened, you know, okay, this is a test. You know, we're smart enough to know that now, right? And this is a test, so we're, we're not going to let this lose, you know, rob us of our joy. So, you know, we began to just rejoice and be thankful and grateful and, you know, all of that stuff. And 10 more minutes goes by. Nope. And so then, you know, you're starting to feel a little bit of anxiety and a little bit of pressure. And so we're still like, oh, this is a task. We're going to rejoice. We're going to, you know, we're going to do the right thing. And then 20 minutes goes by. And there's no cars in front of us. The thing just went down and we can't go anywhere. And all the cars on both sides are going by us. Well, after over 20 minutes, all of a sudden, all that joy (laughs) starts to change into... This is ridiculous. You know, they shouldn't allow this to happen. You know, we shouldn't have to sit here that long. You know what I mean? So now you start the little bit of murmuring, right? And complaining. And then another five or ten minutes goes by. We were over half an hour sitting there.
2: and We couldn't get out by of the
0: way. By the end of it, we were, like, really angry. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, the customs officer comes up to us. And we roll down the window, and she's very apologetic, and she's apologetic. We're so sorry you had to wait all this time. We're going to get you out of here right now. Uh, the computer broke down. We've been trying to get it up again, and so and then you feel bad, right? Because you're you've been just murmuring for the last five or ten minutes, saying how incompetent they are and how they're not doing things right, and you know you go through all of this stuff, right? But that's but that, well, we're waiting for something. There's a testing time and sometimes that wait could be a half hour like that which you know we didn't really pass that test too well. We did for a while but then, you know. And then and then you have longer times. So sometimes you're waiting for something for years and years and years. And, and you're wondering, like, what is going on here? And But God is doing something far bigger, far better. And what we have to focus on is not us getting the answer, but what is God wanting to do inside of us? What is he showing us? What is he developing? We have to look at this as the opportunity. God is developing his character in us. He's making us to be like him. He's making us to, to act like him, to be conformed into the image that he wants us to be. And so the tests and the trials that we're waiting for, that divine, delay can either cause us to grow in faith or it can rob us of our faith and it's our choice what we do with that and so we have to look at those divine delays as our opportunity to grow and be more like God and to be expecting and and don't get discouraged Don't lose heart. There's a lesson God is teaching you in all of this. He's showing you something. And we're going to get into a little bit more of some of those lessons that some of the great men of faith in the Bible went through. But, you know, we have to understand God's purposes are so much greater than ours. He has a greater plan, a greater purpose. We just are, you know, our flesh just screams when we have to wait. Right? Your flesh hates waiting. Your flesh wants what you want. When you want it, you want it now. But that's not godly character. And so many of us, we sabotage what God had for us because we allow the flesh to dictate to us, and we, and we allow the enemy in rather than looking to God and trusting God in the midst of the, of the waiting time.
2: It's amazing how many little children that have just learned to count, and they're in the grocery stores, and the kid says, Mommy, they don't know how to count because it says 12 items or less. (laughs) Pretty good, eh? Maybe that was your kids. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, here we go. How many have ever felt like, seriously, God, where are you at in this whole thing? I remember years in years ago inside of my life, it was just like very dark seasons uh, has anybody ever had a dark season inside of your life? Notice I said season. How many know we're not going to park in that season, but how many know we've had some dark season? I remember Jack when he, had, uh, when, when he had hurt your back over there, and it was like you're flat on your back, and you couldn't move. How many know that's a dark season in life? Okay, and I remember myself after betrayal. It was It was a very, very dark season. Well, David actually shares about this in the book of Psalms. And the Bible says that you and I are to speak to ourselves in Psalms And hymns and spiritual songs were to make melody in our heart unto the Lord. So put Psalm 13 up there for just a moment. What what I really like about the Bible, not only does it share the mountaintop experiences of the victory, but it also shares the process that people go through and the questioning that all of us have at times. And how many know it's okay? And so in Psalm 13, notice what it says over there. It says, O Lord, verse number one, how long will you forget me? And then the psalmist goes on he says forever? And then he goes, how long will you look the other way? And then look what he says in verse number two over there. How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? So how many know the psalmist now is actually bearing his soul, he's bearing his heart before the Lord? And so how many know it's not wrong to bear our hearts? And then he says this here, he says, Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle in my eyes, or I'm going to die. He says, Don't let my... (laughs) This is all in your Bible. So it's recording how the frustration... See, you know, how many know God's big enough? He can handle all that. But how many know He's going to try, and He's going to get you over to where your focus goes? David closes off, and he says... I'm singing at the top of my lungs. The the message says, I'm so full of answered prayers. So he didn't stay there in this here negativity. He didn't stay there in the impatience, but he brought his perspective into the right place. Now, we could say a lot of things about this here, but when there's a divine delay, the silent treatment, when it just, like there's no husband in here that likes the silent treatment. Okay, there's nobody. There's no woman in here that likes the caveman that goes into the cave. Come on. And when Jesus went before the high priest and he didn't answer him a word, how many know the king, his flesh freaked out? Caiaphas the high priest. How many know he freaked out about it? Okay, the flesh always dies at the silent treatment. It can't handle that. And what I've learned is, you know, many, many years ago in the early 1960s, there was a, 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 a songwriter, Frankie Valley, in the Four Seasons. How many remember the Four Seasons out there? And they sang something like this here. Silence is golden, golden for my eyes to see. Now, they were supposed to have the words for that song on when I was doing that. But somehow it didn't happen or connect. But, but anyway, it's a, the, <laughs> it's a divine delay. It's a divine delay. Well, they got terminated by hearing this wonderful voice. There it is. Come on. Golden, come on. All right, there it is. Golden, but my eyes shall see. But my eyes shall see. Okay. Anyway, let's get on, okay? Okay. So what does the silent treatment happen? What does this unanswered prayer have? What has this got to do with great faith? Well, the Bible says in the book of Exodus 32, when they came down, uh, Moses, and uh, in, 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 in it says his co-partner Joshua stood at the foot of the mount while Moses went up. And how many know after 40 days, how many know the people said he ain't coming? He probably died up there or something. And he said he ain't coming. And it says when they delayed his coming, what did they do? They went into their idols. And so what I've learned over this year, what I've learned over this year is sometimes we yield to the wrong things because of impatience. And have you ever wondered why the Bible says, in your patience possess ye or controls your soul? Have you ever wondered why the Bible said, let's permit, allow patience to have her perfect work. Because if it has its perfect work, then something will happen inside of us. We'll be complete. We'll be wanting nothing, lacking nothing, deficient in nothing, come on. And then the Bible goes over there and says, now here's how patience comes. Here's how it is developed inside your life. And and it tells us this here so amazingly. The writer gives us this here. It says, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations and trouble also. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And patience, experience, and experiences hope. Now, now listen to this here in, in the Message Bible. There's more to come. We continue to shout our praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience in us. How many got that verse on your refrigerator? You know, it's one that you memorize. It's one that you have just so much inside you. So what I've learned about this here, okay, is oftentimes our impatience slows down the dream. I've also learned over here that impatience is what got Moses in trouble. God told him to speak to the rock. How many know he struck the rock? He did it out of anger. He did it in the flesh. And God was trying to teach him about the principle that just shall live by faith. Naaman the leper's problem was impatient. My life And many deep waters that I have gotten into over the years has been because of impatience. And I think all of us, if we're to be honest, have struggled in this area. Kathy shared that there. And I was practicing everything for about 20 solid minutes of my book on, on secret of kingdom life. But man, that last five minutes, man, something started coming out that wasn't really cool. So that tells me that I had the knowledge of it, but I wasn't applying the knowledge in my life. I found out that Marcia was impatient with Jesus, and she said, Jesus, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. It's like, what has that got to do with it? Come on. My brother wouldn't have died if you'd have been here? And so many people live with that inside of their life. And impatient people are usually the most critical. They're the most negative, and they're bound with a spirit of comparison and competition that is bred by jealousy. They always feel shortchanged. They feel others can never do enough. Everyone else is lazy. Impatient people are very judgmental, and they're extremely hard on themselves, and that's why they are not happy but can actually erupt like a volcano at times. And impatient people usually struggle with some form of pride. Ecclesiastes 7.8 says finishing is better than starting, and patience is better than pride. Come on, church. So how many believe that we're gonna, not going to leave you in here, but we're going to finish up today and teach you how to develop it in your life?
0: You know, yeah. one of my favorite uh, heroes in the Old Covenant is Abraham because he really made the way for the cross. And, you know, he had to wait a long time to have that promised baby. And, you know, when he was waiting, how many know sometimes when you're waiting, when there's that divine delay, you decide to help God out right? You think, well, you know what? I got to help God out somehow. And so, you know, then then we had the whole Ishmael issue, right? That happened. But then after Ishmael was born, God appeared to Abraham and he told him, he said, you are going to have a child with your wife, Sarah. Do you know it was 13 more years? Because he was 84 when God told him that. And it was 13 years after that when he had when he finally had Isaac or when she conceived. And, you know, why did, he, why did God make him wait 13 years? Why? See, God had a divine purpose in all of it. It had to be a supernatural birth for one thing. But also, God was developing Abraham's faith. Because Abraham had to have faith when God told him to go up Mount Moriah and sacrifice Isaac. He had to have the faith, right. and if he didn't have the faith for that, there would have been no right. legal entry for God to bring the cross. See, the greater purpose in the divine delay, and there's always a greater purpose in the divine delay, and we have to trust God that there's something greater. God's That's doing right. something bigger than we think. There's, there's going to be a greater answer. There's going to be a greater blessing. Something better is going to come out That's of right. all of this than if you we get that. it right away. I want to read in, in um, James 5, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Now, this was written 2,000 years ago, and he was telling them then to be patient for the Lord's return. We're still waiting for the Lord's day return. Today a
2: 1,000 years. But
0: consider the farmers, consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. You know, the first thing we begin to do when we get impatient is we begin to grumble. We get, we begin to murmur and complain. We grumble against God. We grumble against one another. You know, having patience makes you. The reason why we need patience. In fact, it tells us that we need patience. It's something that we need. We have to have in our lives. You know what? When you get married, how many know you need patience? If you don't have patience, you will not have a happy marriage. When you have kids, you need patience. If you don't have patience, you're gonna kill your kids. (laughs) We need patience to have good relationships. If we don't have patience, we're not gonna have good relationships, we're gonna destroy our relationships. But most of all, we have to trust God in the silent times. Trust God when we're waiting. Now, we have a video clip we're going to show right now. And I'm just going to warn you ahead of time, you'll need Kleenex. And this is about a 10-minute clip. We tried to shorten it, but we really couldn't do, you know, we shortened it a little bit. But this, this is just a perfect story of a divine delay, God's greater purpose... But even another story in it, how much the Father loves you. Let's watch this.
3: I grew up on my parents' 100-acre property, and I refused to stay inside. I loved being in nature. I would just go out there by myself, and I'd have all this time, and I would be talking to God, and we'd have this conversation. And, like, I didn't know that that was strange or unusual. I would just pray to him, and then sometimes he would he would say something to me, speak to me. I was about 10 or 12 years old, uh, middle of the day, God gives me a very vivid picture of a little kid, and I'm holding her, swinging around in um, my parents' yard, and she's just laughing like crazy. In the picture that I had in my mind, she had dark skin and dark eyes, and uh, God said, this is gonna be your daughter, and her name is gonna be Chloe.
1: Um, Walt and I grew up together. I. I think he moved to town the year I was born, so we've known each other my whole life. Um, When I was 10, we moved right across the pasture from him, (laughs) so we grew up together. I went to university um, about 30 minutes from where he was living, and when I I went, he just kind of came in and helped get me settled and helped introduce me to a church, and so we just started spending more and more time together, and we were sitting in his car just talking, and we had this conversation about what our dreams and our hopes were for the future, um, I said that I felt like um, God had just made me to be a mom. That's what I wanted more than anything. I wanted to be a mother. And I said that I had actually a name picked out already that I wanted to name my daughter. And, and he, he said, I do too, which I thought was weird because you know I didn't think guys did that.
3: <laughs> and I was like, well, what's the name? And she said, Chloe.
1: And he's like, you've got to be kidding me.
3: You won't believe this. God gave me when I was 12 that name, Chloe.
1: So he's telling me this story and I'm thinking this is crazy, like, first of all, I don't have a lot of experience with God speaking to me like that.
3: (laughs) She was in the same place that I was, we couldn't believe it, you
1: know. In the picture, Chloe always had olive skin, so he always thought he would marry a woman with olive skin. When we first got married, we we decided we wanted to wait a little while to have children. We ended up um, traveling, doing some work with some different missions agencies, and then at a certain point we realized... No, this is the right time. We want to start pursuing having children, and we were so excited. We thought we thought it was just going to happen immediately, you know. And so we were like, "Yeah, let's start our family. Let's have children." And you know, months turned into years, and pretty soon we were four years into trying and still nothing.
3: I had always clung to this promise that God had given me about the daughter, so I didn't know when it was going to happen, but it was it was starting to get hard to wait.
1: was really hard. It was really, um, I don't know, I think I I struggled with questioning God's goodness in that time um, because I just felt like it was so mean, you know, like such a mean thing to do. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Yeah, so there was like a probably four and a half year period that um, I would say was really, really hard on us individually, on us um, in our marriage, and also like the way we were relating with God. Especially for me, I felt like is God good even when he's not doing things that I would define as good?
3: All of her friends were having kids and and she had to just wait and put on this cheesy smile, this fake smile, and say we're happy for you. And every time that we we would hear about someone getting pregnant, we would just be devastated because we were thinking this isn't gonna happen for us. We're just We're just fools, we're fools who who want kids and it's never gonna happen.
1: And then I would say somewhere, I feel like God shifted something in me so significant. There was a point where I started to realize actually, no, I I can live like a really full and really happy life and like experience so much with God and know Him so deeply and be satisfied in the deepest way a human can be satisfied um, even without having a child. Sounds like a simple concept, but for me that was a big, a big change, a big shift in in my perspective. We kept praying through that time, God, if you're saying that you don't want us to be parents, like just take this desire away from us. But more than ever, we wanted to be parents. Like it just the desire was almost getting stronger.
3: Annie is like, well, maybe, maybe we're supposed to adopt. And I was adamantly against it.
1: How are you feeling about adoption?
3: Yeah, I don't want to speak about adoption. I had this thought of like I don't want I called it a band-aid baby I we are struggling we are hurting and you know I don't I didn't I didn't want just a fix I didn't I didn't want just some kid I wanted the kid that we were supposed to have you know and God just like he progressed progressed me from like being adamantly against adoption to be like you know I I just want the kid that God wants maybe it's not supposed to come through biological means maybe it's it's supposed to be through adoption. So what do you think?
1: I think that I'm very excited to adopt but waiting will be hard. I remember one night we were at Walt's sister's house and I was checking my email and there was an email that came in and it said it's a girl. I clicked on it and I realized it was from the adoption agency and they said we just wanted to let you know that A birth mother has chosen you guys and yeah you're gonna be parents and i was like i just sat there looking at the email like oh my gosh i can't believe this
3: annie gets this email she's super excited and i'm just like i'm just gonna i'm gonna wait and see because i don't i don't know you know the name chloe is completely off off the table
1: we've abandoned it we had decided oh that was just a fluke thing that was a coincidence that we both liked that name you know that was nothing and so we had even talked about a different name, and the social worker working with us, she says, okay, well, the birth mother would like to meet you before she has the baby, and we were like, yes, we wanna meet her, sounds great, and so we took a trip up to Wichita.
3: Today's a big day, huh? Yeah. What are we doing?
1: We're going to meet Allison
3: for the first time. You nervous? Yeah,
1: a little bit. We went to the house where she was living, and we knocked on the door, and...
3: She opens the door, and it looks like a grown-up version of this little girl in my head that was from the past. And I was like, oh my goodness, what in the world, you know? And so, in a second, in my head, the name was back on the table.
1: We went up to this room and sat and talked for, I don't know, three hours or so.
3: The social worker says, "Now yeah, let's talk about a name. Have you, have you thought of a name?
1: She said, yeah, well, ever since I got pregnant, even before I knew it was a girl, I've been calling this baby Chloe.
3: We were just floored.
1: And both Walt and I, I mean, I i don't even remember what we did exactly. I just know that I was ugly crying. We were weeping and she was like,
3: oh, you hate the name. And we're like, oh my goodness, no, we love the name. God has spoken, he's told us this name. All those doubts about having the Band-Aid baby were just completely out of the window. And I was, it felt like I just had full body shivers. It was like, it was like the Holy Spirit, it's just right there. This is so much a God thing that's going on right now. You've been uh, planned for for a long time before you were even conceived. We knew your name, and I think we know what you're going to look like. I don't know, but we'll see. I love you. We look forward to we look forward to seeing you. When the birth mom said the name Chloe, you know, in an instant, I had become a father. Even before she was born, I was her dad.
1: This surreal presence of God was just all around us, and I just, I felt him saying to me, see how much I love you? Do you see this? Like, do you see what I've done? Like, I've been writing this story. You had no idea I've been writing this story for years. Since since Walt was a kid, I've been writing this story, and I realized, how foolish I was, I guess. Like how how um, my perspective was just so skewed in my own pain that what I saw as him not loving me was in fact him being the most loving he could have been. Day of. Day of.
3: What were you about to do?
1: Go to the hospital. I can't find your toothbrush
3: holder. Oh well, no, are you nervous? A
1: little bit. Yeah, I was just crazy nervous that morning. like. Um, I remember going to the hospital and, and then all of a sudden it was happening, all of a sudden the doctor came in and was like, okay, she's ready and you're going to have a baby now. And um, I don't know, and there was just all this movement and bustling around and then Chloe was there. Like I was just, I was looking at this baby, this, my baby, I was just looking at her all of a sudden, like she wasn't there and then she was there.
3: So many years of anticipating her as a child. She's here, you know, she's been a part of my life for so long and she's finally here.
1: I remember just like holding her and looking at her face and being like, I'm your mom, I'm your mom. And I just sounded so weird to say those words.
3: There was no mistake. I am the father of this child, just like God had always planned it to be. And I'm completely owning it, like on cloud nine, just amazed at what God has done.
1: It was like he was whispering to me in that moment, like, I've been here this whole time. You didn't know, but I've been here this whole time. I've been walking this thing with you. And I was just saying, trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me. I've got something good. I've got something good up ahead.
3: It's a constant struggle to just sit in His sovereignty. And when everything is falling apart in your in your mind, just to wait.
2: I mean, you know, oftentimes when <laughs> we don't even we don't see the hand of God working in a situation because so oftentimes we're just used to, by what we see, what we hear, what we, um, a lot of times you start praying for a loved one, you start praying for a relative, a child, and it seems like they get worse. Come on. It seems like, why pray? They get, they, they're getting worse. They're, they're more miserable now. But God is at work sometimes and we can't always see it. I, I just really sense uh, God is saying, to people here, He's the God of the second chance. Because so many of us have messed up in life, so many of us have missed the mark in life, and we feel, how can God ever forgive? How can God ever restore? How could God ever do that? You just watch and see what God has to do, amen? I just remember, you know, my, my own personal life, and I'm not going to go into uh, the whole story of, of everything, but there was incredible pain inside of my life, and I just... God, how can I ever be healed? How could I ever trust? How could I ever go into another relationship again? How, how could it ever, and behind the scenes, I didn't know it, but God was working, and here she is today, many, many years later, and I, I remember uh, my good friend from across the river, he passed on to be with Jesus, Dr. Uh, Charles O'Miles, and many of you know him, he passed at a church downriver, just an incredible friend, and incredible blessing to Rick Shemachero, he called me up one day and he said, Rick, he says, uh, he says I have a word from God for you. God is going to give you double for all that trouble you've been through. And all of a sudden, I look years later, I had three sons. And now I got three daughters. So how many know he gave me the double? <laughs> Amen. And you look at everything else it's double the church, double the congregation. I believe double the anointing, double. The double was actually released, according to the book of Isaiah 55, upon my life. And, and it's just been like, Wow, God was working, and all I could see at that time in my life was the present, the situation that's right before my hands. And so I want you guys to rise as we go to communion today because we're going to dismiss on time. I want you to see that, that in spite of what you can see with your natural eyes, in spite of what it sounds like, in spite of what you hear, in spite of what other people might say, God is on the scene. Can you say amen? I mean, that that video clip just blew me away, and all I can say is sometimes before the answer comes, it's like all hell seems like it zeroes in on you to let down on your faith because the Bible says, be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not, and so many when it comes down to the wire, they want to just throw in the towel and give up. Yet God's already got the thing in the burner. Come on now. It's already down the pipe. Uh, well, I've never had a baby myself. Thanks be to God, okay? But, but I will say this here. I've been there when in the delivery uh, many times, and I can tell you this here. Before the release of the promise comes the greatest contractions, the greatest pain first. Is that right, women? How many can say that's true? That's true. Well, oftentimes it's the same way in the spiritual realm for the answer to prayer.
0: Yeah. You know, um, I love that. Uh, that clip because it reminds me of God and how much he loves us just like that father loved that little girl that he had a promise and 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 in Ephesians 1 verse 4 and 5 it says even before he made the world God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in him in his eyes and God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him Great pleasure. Wow. And you know, God is that perfect father that loves even better than any earthly father could ever love. And he saw you before he created the whole world. You were already in his plan. He already decided to adopt you into his family. And and he waited with great anticipation and love and excitement for you to be his child and to be able to love you as his child. And I know there's some people in here this morning that you've struggled with God's love, knowing God's love and believing in his love, because maybe you're earthly father didn't love you the way he should have maybe he didn't demonstrate Mm, that love mm. the way he should have uh, maybe he wasn't even there for you at all, but you know what? God was always there for you. He's always been there. You've always been his heart. He's always seen you, and he sees you perfect. He sees you flawless. He sees you complete in Christ, and, and I know there's many here this morning. You need to hear that, and you need to believe that, and you need to trust in that, and don't judge God by your circumstances. Don't judge God by the trials or go. the divine delays or whatever's going on in your life. Judge him for who he is. And he is that loving father, and he has that divine plan for your life. But you just have to open up your arms and embrace him as your father and trust him as a child. Because Jesus said you had to come like a child into the kingdom of God. And that's what God's waiting for us to do. Love him and see him as that father that really really loves us. Amen. And when we can do that, we will have the breakthroughs that we need in our lives and we won't stress about whatever's going on around us because there's always going to be stuff going on around us. Amen. So let's go to him as we take communion this morning. And if you've struggled with God loving you, just give that over to him and just embrace him as your father Mm -hmm. and know that you've been in his heart Mm -hmm. since before the world began. He saw you and he loved you and he chose you. Amen.
2: Number 14, God oftentimes will communicate things to me in numbers and pictures and things of that nature. And I'm sensing very strongly that there was 14 people inside this room that your concept of God has been the greatest hindrance from you receiving from God. And today, that lie that the enemy has sowed into you, it's broken off your mind now. And you're going to see things shift into another gear now. It's it's just like you've been winding, and it's just not going forward, not going forward because you're stuck in a rut. And I sense strongly that you're, you're, you're shifting gears now, and your life is going to, going to go this way now. It's going to start going forward, and you're going to see a new thrust that's going to come inside you. There's others that are in this here room that you had no hope, and God brought you here today to let you know he's the God of hope. There's two other men that are inside this here room that that you've said these words out of your own mouth, I'll never trust, I'll never, I'll never, I'll never. And it's been over and over and over, and it's just not just a fleeting thought, and God's breaking that stronghold in your life because he has another whole page for your life that he wants to shift you in to gear in today. And there's somebody else, there's somebody else, when you even saw that, it brought up a memory, and I'm here in the number three, so that's three individuals that had triggered an abortion that you actually had. And every time you see a new life, every time you see new, there's just a condemnation. there's just a condemnation. It, it just hits you, and it's like an overwhelming feel of hopelessness and despair of, of what you had done. But I want you to know something. This God that we serve, as the Scripture came forth even in the reading today, He is a God of forgiveness. The only one that's reminding you of that is the enemy in yourself. And God wants to, whenever the enemy reminds me of my past, I always remind him of his future. And so you shift out of that today, and, and listen, listen, the hardest person is you forgiving yourself for what had happened. If God's forgiven you, who are you to hold on to that any longer? And so I believe in all those words that God is liberating and releasing things from our minds, from our understanding today, but I'm also sensing strongly that there's people here that are not born again, and the Bible says being born again, not of a corruptible seed, but of an incorruptible seed word of the living God today. And and God says, truly, truly, I say to you, and God cannot lie, except a man be born again or born from above, a spiritual rebirth, not joining a church, not becoming a member of WCF, but being alive unto God. You cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And if you're in this here room or if you're watching by live stream today, I just encourage you to Put your hand on your computer screen, on your iPad, on your iPhone, whenever you're watching the program in, and open your life up to Jesus because we're going to pray. Pastor Dave, if you can come down and barb and Pastor Donna right here. And I want you to finish off the communion today by surrendering your life to Him. And and if you're here today, and that's you, and you say, I'm not born again. I, I, I know about God, but I don't know God inside. He's here today drawing your heart. And he wants you to come in to have a relationship with him. He wants you to know not about him, but he wants you to know him. And, sir, man, we have a real hell to shun and a real heaven to gain by the cross of Jesus Christ. And so if you're not alive unto God, and and if you're alive unto God, how many are alive unto God and you know it? Come on. When God came into my heart, man, something happened that day. Something of hell shifted off my life, and something of heaven came in. I've never been the same, and I've been on this path now for 40 years. So if you're here today, and God, you're just sensing that's you, and you don't, you don't know what to do, well, we're going to lead you in a prayer to open up our hearts. So let's all pray this along with everyone in the room and those watching even by live stream. Let's just say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is the Christ He is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And this day, I recognize that I'm not one with Him. I need God in my life. Jesus, come into my heart. I believe that You rose from the dead and You're alive today. Forgive me of all my sins. With Your help, I turn from them. And I open my heart to you, and I say, come and live in me, in Jesus' name. Now, if that's you, and you prayed that, and you meant that inside, and maybe you're weeping right now, or maybe you're rejoicing, or maybe there's a peace that has hit you, but you don't know what to do, well, this team down here is going to help you. But I believe in this here. It's a public acknowledgement. just as we do in baptism. It's just standing up for who it is that you believe in, Jesus Christ and they have some materials they want to put into your hand that can help you and if you're by live stream I want you just to check in right now online and just hit that chat room with Pastor RJ And he'll be happy to connect with you on live stream right now So if that's you everybody look at your neighbor say I'll go down with you So if you need to come down just come down now and say, you know what, Pastor Day, Pastor Barr, Pastor I, I've given my life. Today is a new beginning. It's a new start in my life. And you watch what this God does inside of your life. But don't be ashamed of him because he says, if you don't, if you're ashamed of me now, he says, I'll be ashamed of you later. But he said, you acknowledge me now, I'll acknowledge you before my Father. Amen? So if that's you and you need to be down. Just come on down and we're going to finish in communion right now. Father, thank you for this cup. And thank you, though our sins were stained as scarlet, you said in your word, because of the cross of Christ, they're now made as white as snow. And Father, as we partake of this element today, I thank you that all residue of the past is uprooted, scattered and shattered off our life, and we become new creations in Christ. Thank you for your blood covenant.